Well, good evening. We're going to carry on. Uh, I was just looking at a couple of short chapters in the Bhagavad Gita that I could read, and I came across, actually, I do really enjoy um, excellent translators, and don't get me wrong, this translation of the Gita by uh, Mr. Ashwaran is excellent. But the one thing I was making a comment on was... The one thing I was making a comment on was I don't like the title of chapter 17, The Power of Faith. So, as I've done in Chinese, I tend to go back uh, to the Sanskrit. Okay? And um, Mr. Eshwaran is actually translating Shraddha and translates it as faith. Again, we discussed it in the last podcast, that it's difficult. Um, English language tends to have uh, limited meanings uh, when we need to have multiple. But in this case, it's actually possibly an issue of word choice. Because let me read. Uh, Shraddha, Sanskrit, is often glossed in English as faith. But ashtha, ashtha, is used for faith, religious beliefs, and God. So the term figures importantly in the literature, teachings, and discourse of Hinduism, Jainism, and Buddhism. This is why I want to go back and talk about Shraddha. It can be associated with faith, but it can also be associated with trust, confidence, and loyalty. And one particular teacher is described, uh, well, has described the word Shraddha, as constant alertness arising from love, and when choosing a single word to translate it into English, has used awareness. Other writers have also described the concept with emphasis on the intersection of faith and mindfulness, and it has been translated in this vein with words such as diligence. Another teacher describes Shraddha as the soul's belief The soul's belief in the divine's existence, wisdom, power, love, and grace. Right? So, essentially boiling down, as it said above, that it's awareness. What is it awareness of? It's awareness of not faith in religious beliefs or gods, but it's that intersection of faith and mindfulness, diligence. Again, that karma yoga, that ceaseless effort, action, diligence. We discussed this in the last podcast, that the Eightfold Path contains within it multiple assertions, the need for effort and action. And it's no different to the Jainists or the Hindus. right? And I love... How that's exactly what I ran into with this word, Shraddha. So again, when I'm reading chapter 17, and honestly, when you're reading just about any translation, try to remember that they choose the best possible English word. And I'll discuss maybe when Joe Rogan said that he dislikes that yoga tends to use some of these 
words, these Sanskrit words, and Buddhism tends to use Pali as well. It's to get away from these difficulties, just like in the previous chapter when we discussed um, uh, meditation, when really it should have been what awareness or purusha or dhyani or jnana. It just depends. Uh, but don't limit yourself. Same as chapter 17, the power of faith. It's actually the power of right this mindfulness, awareness, this integration, shraddha. That's why we tend to use these words, because English tends to be uh, found wanting when it comes to these important concepts. So, I shall read chapter 17, The Power of Faith, or Shraddha. Arjuna, O Krishna, what is the state of those who disregard the scriptures but still worship with faith? Do they act from sattva, rajas, or tamas? So those are the three, and I don't really discuss that, those are the three different um, aspects. In Chinese, they think yin and yang, right? The feminine aspect, the male aspect. Good, evil, black, white, positive, negative, you know? Here, they break it down into three. Sattva being your ultimate. Rajas being, you know, maybe you're um, less than positive, but still not negative. And tamas being your negative aspects. But again, that's just an oversimplification. So let's just say prakti then. So let's break down. Right? What is the state of those who disregard the scriptures but still worship with faith? Right? So people who don't spend their time, like in Buddhism, they, they tend to recommend that you study the Dharma. Right? But you still worship with great faith. Do they act from sattva, rajas, or tamas. Right? He's asking, why don't they um, feel the need to integrate all of the different yogas or different paths to this awareness or liberation? So Krishna says, every creature is born with faith of some kind, either sattvic, rajasic, or tamasic. Listen, and I will describe each to you. Our faith conforms to our nature, Arjuna. Human nature is made of faith. A person is what his shraddha is. There's that word that means more than just faith. Those who are sattvic worship the forms of God. Those who are, who are rajasic worship power and wealth. Those who are tamasic worship spirits and ghosts. Some invent harsh penances motivated by hypocrisy and egotism. They torture their innocent bodies and me who dwells within. Blinded by their strength and passion, they act and think like demons. The three kinds of faith express themselves in the habits of those who hold them, in the food they like, the work they do, the disciplines they practice, the gifts they give. Listen, and I will describe their different ways. Sattvic people enjoy food that is mild, tasty, substantial, agreeable, and nourishing. Food that promotes health, strength, cheerfulness, and longevity. Rajasic people like food that is salty or bitter, hot, sour, or spicy. 
food that promotes pain, discomfort, and disease. Tamasic people like overcooked, stale, leftover, and impure food, food that has lost its taste and nutritional value. The sattvic perform sacrifices with their entire mind fixed on the purpose of the sacrifice. Without thought of reward, they follow the teachings of the scriptures. The rajasic perform sacrifices for the sake of show and the good it will bring them. The tamasic perform sacrifices ignoring both the letter and the spirit. They omit the proper prayers, the proper offerings, the proper food, and the proper faith. To offer service to the gods, to the good, to the wise, and to the spiritual teacher is purity, honesty, continence, and non-violence. Those are the disciplines of the body. To offer soothing words, to speak truly, kindly, and helpfully, and to study the scriptures. These are the disciplines of speech. Calmness, gentleness, silence, self-restraint, and purity. These are the disciplines of the mind. When these three levels of self-discipline are practiced, without attachment to the results, but in a spirit of great faith, the sages call this practice sattvic. Disciplines practiced in order to gain respect, honor, or admiration are rajasic. They are undependable and transitory in their effects. Disciplines practiced to gain power over others, or in the confused belief that to torture oneself is spiritual, they are tamasic. Apologize, the light's getting low. Giving simply because it is right to give without thought of return at a proper time in proper circumstances and to a worthy person is sattvic, giving. Giving with regrets or in the expectation of receiving some favor or of getting something in return is rajasic. Giving at an inappropriate time, in inappropriate circumstances, and to an unworthy person without affection or respect is tamasic. Om Tat Sat. These three words represent Brahman, from which come priests and scriptures and sacrifice. Those who follow the Vedas therefore always repeat the word Om when offering sacrifices, performing spiritual disciplines or giving gifts, those seeking liberation and not any personal benefit add the word tat when performing these acts of worship, discipline, and charity. Sat means that which is. It also indicates goodness. Therefore, it is used to describe a worthy deed, to be steadfast in self-sacrifice, self-discipline, and going is sat. To act in accordance with these three is sat as well. But to engage in sacrifice, self-discipline, and giving without good faith is asat, without worth or goodness, either in this life or in the next. Right? I love that, how we end up getting uh, exactly what I was talking about. Uh, the reason why we use some of these words, because they get across this idea. So, sattva. That is a being or the ultimate a being can be. Sat, being good. Asat, meaning lack of goodness. Right? 
So when we say Om Tat Sat, right? We've talked about Om before, Om representing this um, undefinable yet um, ultimate state of awareness, being at one with all of the universe. Tat, I have said, is that. What that, that within us, that is aware, that within us that understands that that is both the goal and, um, well, yeah, our goal and the ultimate, right? Om Tat Sat. That's where we should be. That is the great Om Tat Sat. Sounds silly, but it's the idea they're trying to get across. And when we talk about sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic, it sounds weird to a Western ear, but it's important because it's talking about intention and, um, well, it's talking about that action and effort. That's why they're two separate things, right? Uh, offering... Offering, there's three levels here. So offering uh, to your deity is about you um, and your shraddha, your faith, your devotion in the practice. Not about you and your deity, it's about you and you. So if you make an offering without the proper uh, intention, it's a hollow. It's asat. It is without benefit. Right? But if you make an offering purely for the attainment or for show or for ego, that's why they say this third level. It's not just absent of the positive asat. It is tamasic. It is an actual evil act. Who is it harming? It's harming you truly. Um... But that's why we have the three levels. So we have our goal of a sattvic action, where we offer um, our actions and our selfless um, devotion for no reward. The next level is we are going to have to battle this self, this ego. So we find a balance of uh, proper intention, uh, but balancing these these um, these energies that are present within us all. And, uh, yeah. Lastly, what was he talking about? Well, I actually did cover it, right? So he's talking about how important it is uh, for us to get on this path. But the reason why they break up um, these, I guess you would say, well, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's kind of like your motivations as a human being. The reason why they break them up into these three levels is because that's where we're at, right? I've talked about this before. Not everyone has the ability to understand that they're the cause um, of their own suffering. But at the same time, even when someone learns they're the cause of their own suffering, a lot of times the human um, default is to look, like it just said, in the external for your solution and your liberty. Right? So there's your three levels. It's one, someone who goes through life not knowing or not caring that they can do better and they must. Then there's people who understand that they can do better and must, but still go about it and feel like 
a hypocrite because they fail at it. But it's not their fault. Everybody has within them until they become this ultimate being. But even then, it takes great effort to resign in that, right, um, that state of integration. So the true path is constantly finding that balance between whatever you want to call it, that motivation. It can be selfish. It can be self-serving. It can even be self-damaging. But it is that constant, unceasing battle to find that um, shraddha, that mindfulness, and that... um, What's the word? I guess you would say the will and faith. I I guess, yeah. I mean, it makes sense in a Western uh, context, right? Not a faith in God, but in this case, a faith in yourself, your ability, and, again, the self, right? That is both your... uh, your solution and the cause of the problem. So we'll leave it at that.